G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. It's Matt Rowley here. I've got a international cast, which I know is going to excite um, everybody who um, we'll introduce in a minute. We're sponsored, as usual, by Sporpool. Uh, go find your talent, whether you're a player or whether you're a club. Um, but look, let's let's get into it. First of all, I've got Reg with me just, you know, for support. Mate, how are you? Good, mate. Just about to put a call into Sporpool. We need a little bit of talent next week, mate. <laughs> We are. We're running. We're running dry, aren't we? And then joined again uh, by the uh, egg chasers uh, on the other side of the world. I've got uh, Tim, mate. How are you? Oh, it's it's a wonderful Sunday morning in uh, United <laughs> Kingdom at the moment. Morning. Yes, I bet. I bet all the colours just a little, little bit more vivid this morning. Oh, um, so true. So true, Matt. <laughs> but and also at your end, um, we've got a different voice today, which I'm really excited to have on board. Uh, Bill, mate, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. You've got a slightly uh, northern voice uh, today, after last week's pod. Yes, exactly. Yeah, after all those, um, all the, the fine airs um, from the other two, we get, we're going to get the real gritty north. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my accent, by the way, is definitely not real gritty north. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's, a bit, it's a little bit northern, but not too bad. Okay, well, look, uh, Reg, look, we can't hold this back anymore, but I'm afraid we're going to have to talk some rugby. Um, so let's get stuck in. So, guys, look, like we did last time, uh, I guess we started off at least, and I'm sure we can just chip in anyway, but, um, you know, talking about sort of the other side um, sort of thing. So I know this is a bit around... Almost around the wrong way, maybe. But um, do you guys want to kind of lead off and sort of say, look, what happened with Australia? I mean, what did it look like from your side? What what did we do right? But then, what did we do so wrong? Crack on, Phil. From the start, uh, ten minutes in, two tries. I thought it was going to be a whitewash. I thought yeah. it was going to be all Australia, and it was. Both those tries were created by quick ball, good runners, quick ball which didn't allow the England defence time to realign. So you repeatedly found, Australia repeatedly found themselves with Falau outside the 13 channel with loads of space running against, it seemed like both the Vunipolas every time. Yeah. And that created, that created both the Hooper tries, um, one in the first half, one in the second half. And it, it made Australia incredibly dangerous. Mm. Uh, and I was... Ten minutes in, I was terrified. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, the the Aussie backs, uh, Falau in particular, were were cutting through like a, a far after a foul in that first twenty minutes. <laughs> they were. It was. Uh, it was. It was pretty frightening. And and what I think changed from my perspective, and I know the yellow card played a, played a, a part in this, hmm. but it, it seemed like the ball wasn't wasn't getting through Foley's hands anywhere near as much as the game went on. Uh, in that first 20 minutes, it was quick ball through Foley and out. Um, and um, the England defence is run by a guy who's been running the Saracens defence. And it's, it's, a, it's all about a quick press mm. and line speed. And they were just showing, oh, you know what, we've got the skills just to, just to drift outside that. Um, and I don't know what they did. They suddenly started going to one-out runners with the, with the front five in particular. And it all sort of looked like Australia got a bit tighter, a bit more nervous and a bit more narrow as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, well, then the other thing that then happened was, and look, I'm really interested in your perspective on this because especially when you're at a game 
Um, all, you, all you're seeing is Poit throwing his hand up one way. And I think what the penalty count ended up 15-6 or something. And so when you're at a game and you don't see, you don't really get a replay, you can't really see what's going on. Obviously, we're just shouting abuse at Poit, right? Um, but, I mean, you know, obviously, you've got to say in the cold light of day, you've got to say fair play. There was something either going horrendously wrong for us um, or very right for you guys when it came to, you know, penalties, because that's really what got you back in the game. Um, what was your read on that? It did feel like Australia were kind of playing on the edge. So going in for turnovers when it wasn't quite on. Mm. And the big one, the re- repeated penalty was around the, the driving mall. England set up a line, up, uh, line out, set up a driving mall, and then immediately it felt like Scott Fardy, Scott Fardy <laughs> was just, uh, just diving at the ankles and just bringing it down. And it was penalty, penalty, penalty. And it felt like the, um, Australia never learned from that. It's kind of one of those things where you do it once, you see if you can get away with it, you do it twice. Mm. You don't do it five, six times and give away five, six penalties. Yeah. I mean, the thing that was amazing is because I've been trying to make sense of this. For some reason, it, it didn't work at three in the morning in the whiskey bar. Um, so I've been, <laughs> I've been going back through it today and literally just writing down every penalty and trying to figure some rhyme or reasoning out of it. I mean, the one thing I can take out of it is that like about half of them were when we were on attack. So, um, you know, you, 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 I would have thought, you know, yes, yeah, you know, sure, those, that sort of farty spoiling penalty, which he's pretty famous for, um, like you're talking about. But actually, there's only about one or two of those. Um, half of them were when we were, you know, hot on attack and we've given away um, a penalty and a couple of them, um, you know, Farrell's, you know, even kicked. Um, and that just completely destroyed the whole momentum of the game, really, and just, and just turned it around, I thought. I think that was a great effort by the English pack. They knew when to attack the ball. You know, they, they defended when they needed to, but when they had the player and attacking a, a, a wallaby runner that they knew they could isolate, they went hard. You know, Atoji and, and Haskell, who was immense, they knew when to go for it. And, and the Aussies wouldn't give it up, and that's why they were giving away those penalties. Mm. But by the way, Reg, you have to call him DJ Haskell. Um, <laughs> he's trying to launch a big DJ career. Just check his Instagram <laughs> All the videos and stuff. So. <laughs> is he really? Well, he's, he's going to have a fun, fun week in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have to eat, eat humble pie on that one. He, he, was, he was absolutely immense, and he did um, make big hits and, and even turnovers. He sort of he out-poopered Pooper at times, which was just un- unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I watched the replay today and, and just watched him. I was at the game and up high, and you know, kept seeing the red headgear. But watched the game today. He played the game that if he was Pocock, we would be raving about. This is why he's the best player in the world. Haskell was sensational. The, the great thing about that is he usually lets the hype go to his head and has a diabolical way <laughs> afterwards. That's pretty much the Haskell way. Yeah. Oh, no, like, like you, Tim, I'm not a big Haskell rater and, uh, yeah, had to completely eat my hat um, f- with that performance. I'll tell you what he did, and I think this was, having watched it, re- you know, watched it back, because I think there were a couple of clinical bits of English play. Um, actually, both of them, I think, Ford was really involved in. That long cutout pass he threw, um, which put Yard in, I think, and then that yeah. cross kick he did. Um, for, is it now? What's, what's the new guy's name with the tap? Uh, no, no, yeah. yeah. With the, with the rat's tail. Um, those yeah. two those two bits were, were really really clinical. But I thought where the real otherwise attacking wise, I wasn't blown away by England. I thought it was really. Um, you know, really methodic, but it was just the defence. The defensive line speed was unbelievable. And if and having watched that um, pool game, you know, from the World Cup, they just swapped. Whereas our defensive line in that pool game was 
um, really fast, and it was Hooper who was setting that speed, and we were catching you behind the gain line time and time again. It was just complete shoe on the other foot, and that was Hask who was who was who was leaving who was leading that. I thought um, time after time. Completely agree. Now, I actually thought the the biggest moment in the game came from uh, an Aussie. The most important moment in the entire match mm. came from an Aussie, and that's when. Eddie David Jones Brown. decided to take off. Uh, Eddie Jones decided to take off Luther Burrell and bring on George Ford. That yeah, I wanted to ask you guys about that. Talk that's talk us through that. That was that's a, a staggering call, and it worked. Well, I mean, you, right. So it was a big call putting Luther Burrell into the team. He didn't make the World Cup squad. Um, he's quite limited in what he can do, and I think m- m- most England fans recognise that that he's not the way you're going to beat Southern Hemisphere teams with a player like B- Luther Burrell. Um, Eddie Jones picked him, I think because Ben Teo was, was injured, was the reason he picked him, but he picked him. But whereas in the past, Stuart Lancaster would have um, decided before the game he was going to make a replacement after 60 minutes, and no matter what happened in the game, that's when it would happen. He could, might as well just like excel, macro it, and go to the pub. <laughs> um, whereas Eddie Jones clearly saw this isn't working. Defensively and attacking-wise, this guy is out of his depth and it's not working, and we're getting cut to ribbons by the Aussies. And he changed it, and we went back to the double ball-playing halfback, well, no, 10-12 combination. And in attack, um, territorially, with the kicking, having an extra boot on the field and an extra pair of eyes, it just completely changed the way that the game was panning out. And interestingly, I mean, that's usually the way that Australia have played, and they, Mm. they reverted to a different style of play. And I think you just saw that maybe, and I think when you look at the way Wales played in, in other games, not wanting to get off point, but the two ball players in midfield, I think is that that is modern rugby. That is 2016 rugby. Phil, what do you reckon? Uh, I agree that the George Ford coming on was right at the time that the game turned or started to mm, turn. Yep. And it was, um, it was coincidence that it was two minutes after the um, Foley disallowed try, which then, he made the change, which then led to a Farrell penalty, which then led to the Joseph try uh, straight after that. So it was it, it kind of coincidence. 14-point swing, maybe. Yeah, you know? the yeah. disallowed, well, even more than that, 17-point swing. Cause it was a disallowed try, then a penalty, then immediately the kind of uh, slightly lucky Joseph try. And that did completely shift the the momentum of the game. So would you, would you guys say that a sort of Gitto figure would have would have put England away. Well, it's funny you say that because actually that was uh, Hugh in his write-up afterwards was saying he thought the guy we, we were missing the most was a Gitto. Um, but I mean, it, it's as you guys were saying, I think it's a real mark of modern rugby, which is about the only way that you can get outside these fast-pressed defences is you've got that second line of attack and you've got that second distributor who can get to the wide spaces. Um, and that's what we were doing. And, I, you know, going forward, that's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, we absolutely, um, you know, we're cutting your outside guys to shreds, as you were saying. Um, and so, yeah, without without that and without that link, um, that became really, really difficult. I mean, I think there was a number of things for us as well. Then those um, those injuries. So um, obviously, I think there was a couple um, at once that sort of happened or, or very close to each other, um, which was obviously Simmons in, at lock. Um, and then the line-out instantly went shaky. Um, and then and also, Rob, Horn. Rob Horn was he's yeah. a big one for us as well. So um, he's a big defensive figure um, and really helps with, with, with the structure of that back line. So that, and that all happened around that exact time you guys were just talking about. 
Um, and that's when the that's when the game completely turned on its head. Uh, and it was a yeah, it was a it was a completely different thing from there there on in. Do you think then, uh, Leo Leofano, now he's got time to integrate with a squad, do you reckon he'll be dropped in at 12 as that second ball player? That's what everyone's saying. So I think all the journos are saying, oh, that's the end of you know, the boshing centres um, type idea. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I think he would have been in there if he'd had time, wouldn't you have said, Reg, if he'd had time in camp? Yeah, I think so. I think everyone was saying that's that's Tika's model as much as anything. Um, and even in hindsight, I think uh, it didn't work. I think it's interesting, Karevi, I'm a massive Karevi fan. He's obviously a, a Queensland Red and, and they're my team. But um, he uh, he he's stood out for the Reds because he's the boss. You know, no one else does anything, so he does it all. And this time he had to adjust his game. He kept feeding and feeding. I just wanted him to go for it and uh, he never did it. But I, I think the Lee Leofano style, um, Foley, I, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was on a... You know, a replay for another Twickenham, um, but uh, he just ran out of steam in terms of he, it was all up to him. So, uh, yeah, a second option there is, is pretty critical. There were some bright shoots of green shoots there to, to focus on, but but come on, then t- tell us about England. I can't wait to hear this. Okay, Reg, go, mate. This is. <laughs> I mean, I just thought I thought um, it was almost the opposite of our last encounter. I think you know we talked about the back row and Haskell, but Chris Robshaw too. I thought Robshaw had a fantastic. Uh, uh, he was, he was outstanding, and, and and you know a credit to him considering um, you know the flack he's copped near and afar uh, since since last year. But mate, I guess we've got to talk that set piece and particularly the scrum. I, I'm sure you've got the the spider cam still footage ready to analyse for us, <laughs> but it looks like. Cole was all over CO, even from my um, seventh level vantage point. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. I think there was a bit of a masterful game going on there myself. Um, there's been some talk about CO overextending sometimes, and I think Cole saw that and knew that um, and then sort of played into it. And from my perspective, I think you can kind of see Cole kind of pull him down and in. Um, but, you know, he basically one way or another he got away with it but then I think what was the telling factor was then when the locks had uh, shifted around and then mum was behind CO in the scrum that CO gets sent off uh, England definitely have ascendancy and they go right through and Cole goes right through CO who I don't think has got any pressure coming from behind him um, and that's what does it so I think that's when Poit goes hey this isn't just two guys playing silly buggers who can drop who on the front. There was clear ascendancy in that scrum, and I think that's what sealed the deal. Yeah, another point for me to blame Dean Mum for the loss. I'm more than happy to take that one, Matt. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, there was that. Um, I'll tell you the other thing that I thought was just... Uh, I still can get my head around was the way that we kept picking out... Now, um, you know, Itodje... Um, for the restart. <laughs> Why the hell would you do that? He was immense from the kickoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like every time we just kept going to him. It was, um, it was unbelievable. He also showed that skill over the ball that you guys were talking about. Even if, um, yeah, he kind of tends to, you know, rest his hands on the ground there a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he was he was immense around the park and was obviously pumped up and he was a real leadership. Um, figure for them as well I thought there is our England uh, captain there is our England future Um, I I mean world class at 21 discuss I guess would be the thing there I I certainly think so every stage he's stepped up to he's performed on and like you said there was a couple of big jackal moments over the ball at the breakdown majestic in the lineup massively athletic uh, huge athleticism uh, ball carrying 
and incredibly tight shorts, which compared to some of the England <laughs> wearing the big Bermuda shorts, I really appreciated. <laughs> well, you get, get, get some of that quad action. Um, so <laughs> exactly. Who, I mean, who have we left out? Who haven't we given an, um, an, an, enough credit to in the England side then, I think, Reg? I mean, um, I mean, as far as backline goes, I thought Mike Brown... It was a, again. I thought he he didn't have a he was his best game that I've seen him play. Um, is a bit like that game he had against us in the in the pool. Um, but you know, otherwise, I'm, I'm trying to pick people out here. Yeah, look, I, I think it was one in the pack. I think our for, I think our back line looked pretty dangerous, and our forwards couldn't keep up. I think the the English pack did the deed. Um, but the other point of difference was was Farrell's boot against Foley, Farrell was dead-eyed dick and took every shot. I think he just missed the one, whereas, whereas Foley missed plenty. When I, look at our, when I look at our England team now, boys, what's really exciting for, for me as an Englishman, and feel free to chip in, Phil, here on this, is that you see players that I imagine five years from now are going to be the best in the world at their position. Owen Farrell is potentially one of them. Even George Ford, the, the fly-half that came on, could be a potential superstar. Maru Itoji, Billy Vunapola... Um, it's just really, really exciting. These these young guys that have got so much um, further to go. They're really on. They are still on the upward curve of of their career, and that's what I think. Eddie Jones, I think, has got the easiest gig in world rugby because he's got the biggest pool of players and some unbelievable talents coming through. So, Phil, I've got a a question to point towards you, mate, because I, I think on the your last podcast you were rating um, Farrell above Foley. Um, going in, going into this match, I'm going to say one A one B. Yeah, but yeah. I, 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 choose, I choose Farrell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not coming in swinging here. It's fair enough. Um, <laughs> but I'm just going to say, having watched that game though, if you took out, I mean, yeah, Farrell got given far more shots at goal, obviously, than than Foley did. So you take out some of those wide shots from Foley. As far as the rest of ten play, how would you assess the two though in that match that we just just gone? It's probably difficult because Farrell played 50 minutes as inside centre. Um, if you take the first 30 minutes where they were directly opposite each other, I thought Foley outplayed him. Yeah. And I thought Foley was very unlucky to have that try disallowed, in all honesty. Um, I thought that the block, was it Rory Arnold? Mm. It, the TMO said uh, Rory Arnold initiated contact it looked to me like he was trying to get out of contact and Burrell was the one who was trying to almost hide because Burrell was out of position. Mm. And that, that finish, if it was if it was given as a try, was absolutely sensational. There's no way that Owen Farrell could do something like that. Mm. Um, and so taking those first 30 minutes, I would go for Foley. But then Foley was, well, in those first 30 minutes, I think he missed two out of two. Uh, and he was a 50% kicker on the day and Farrell was a 90% kicker on the day. And that makes a big difference. And I, and I would add that, um, you know, if it, if you had to choose between one and they were completely identical, I would go Foley because of his 1920s cowboy villain pencil moustache as well. <laughs> You'd have to, dastardly Dan, exactly. Um, Hooper's decision at the end, which was to take the three rather than go go to the go to the corner, it's it's caused a lot of discussion over here. Well, it's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar to the same decision that Robshaw had to make in the mm. World Cup pool match against Wales. Mm. To either, which just got a little giggle out of JB, who's listening in the background, our, our resident Welshman, um, where he he could have kicked a maybe sixty percent kick to score three points and tie the game, or kicked a corner and try and win. And he went to corner, tried to win, we didn't win, and we were knocked out of the World Cup. Mm. Um, personally, 
I understand what they would at the time I was thinking what what are you doing but on reflection I think he even had Australia scored the try and the chances of scoring those pushover tries are quite rare I don't know what the odds would be but Phil I think in previous podcasts you said like one in ten kind of thing something like that I, I, I did some probabilities based on the, that specific England Wales game uh and yeah one in ten one in Right. Uh, one in five. So even if they did get it, then f- and and then even if Foley got the conversion, um, then it's it's to draw, and you still have to win two games to win the series. So I, I can definitely see what they were getting at. Was my reaction on reflection? I'm like, yeah, I get that. You get the ball back. You were quite good in the loose. I, I quite like the fact Hooper backed backed his uh, boys to be able to to be able to do it. As as we've said before, they were at times cutting England's backs to ribbons. So with with two and a half minutes. That's that can be a lifetime in world rugby. Reg, where, where were you on that one? Oh, mate, I think take the points. I agree. I remember last year. I think they did it again in the uh, when we played the box at Suncorp when we uh, we went for the um, the win. But I, I think in that situation you got to take the points. And gosh, what happened was it ten minutes early when it was similar kick and we went for the line and pulled off that debacle of a line out move at the front where. Mum dropped it on and then knocked it on and then I think CA knocked it on after that. So it was, yeah, I mean, maybe they were put off by that terrible line-out play. But, I, yeah, I, I thought it was a right call. Mm, okay. I, I agree. I think, I think hey. you have to take the point there. You, you've, got, Can, you've got to score twice, take, take the first points, and then you've still got the full three minutes. If you go for the corner, you can erode that those three minutes just trying to go for the line mm. uh, and not have opportunity to score twice. I, I, I also agree with your previous point that uh, ten minutes earlier, where they went for the corner, they probably should have taken the points. Yep. So yep. I think got the second issue, the, the final decision correct, the earlier one wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, I, I wanted to bring up one more thing about the game. Is um, we talked a lot, at least it was in the press down here about the mind games and the lead up. I reckon the mind games on the field too, and Eddie, w- whether he sort of batted this into him. I think the palms were all over us on the field. Um, the little niggle, and I. It got to some of those players. I reckon Stephen Moore, particularly as captain, mm-hmm. got got to by some of those English players. A little. You, you look at the lead up to that Foley non-try, and Itoji gives him a little push in the back, um, and Moore just blows up, and he you know looks around. Who did that? And who did that? And when Foley scored his try in inverted commas, you know Moore was straight up to Itoji and all that sort of stuff. And later on, you know, I saw Mo throw a, Moore throw a pretty cheap shot elbow. Um, and guys like Fardy and stuff, I, get, I reckon they got got to. The Poms were en masse in there, and they were all, you know, on the edge and, and giving it all. And I reckon it really got to the Aussies. Yeah, no, I thought so. I, I, there were some shell shock guys walking around as well, I think, yeah. um, about halfway through. And it's been like, you know, just the look on CEO's face as he kind of oh, around gosh, those yeah. scrums. He just looked, he looked shattered. He was absolutely gone, I thought. Um, because every scrum, he was getting half a dozen pats on the back from the English. Mm. You know, after any penalty, they were all coming up to him. He, he was, yeah, he was all over it. So, so obviously, you guys are disgraced by that performance, obviously. You know what? The, the rivalry between the two nations is, is long and it's traditional, but a lot of those players, and, and this is one of the points, there's not a massive difference between that team that played in Brisbane at the weekend and the team that played at Twickenham in the World Cup and imagine the pain on home turf getting battered by Australia and so yeah I, I love the attitude that Eddie Jones has instilled that real un, uncompromising attitude that he's instilled and and the and I, so I loved I loved all I loved seeing all that 
Mm. There's one one thing I didn't love was, and it, it happens all the time at all levels of the game, but uh, a 50-50 penalty scrum and the wingers, the centres, the fullback <laughs> all running. And yeah. it's, it's, half, it's half patting their own tight head and loose head on the back and, and, and half they're kind of like rubbing it in the face of the opposition. It's just... No, 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 you can't. England talking Australia. JB, you can't get in. You, you... <laughs> I, don't, I don't even say it's celebrating like it's a try when it's yeah. just a scrum penalty. Oh, it, it's just a scrum penalty. And furthermore, if it's the wingers running in, it, it's just, it's unnecessary. Like they know what's going on. Yeah, they've got no idea. They don't know. It, the penalty could have gone either way. Uh, it's like the Deep Square League complaining about an LBW decision not going their way. Exactly. exactly yeah. So I think that the rule we should have there is that if uh, any of the props can, if they, they they get a free swing, and if they manage to hit any of those backs, you know, it's no harm, no foul. Um, <laughs> yeah. In, in, in that sort of situation. Um, it's like, <laughs> I like a it. Free hit zone. If you're going to be there, it's your own watch out. All right, guys. Well, look. Let's look. Let's look forward. And I think maybe why don't we start with uh, England? And I'll I'll throw to you guys. Uh, Tim and Phil, what needs to change? Yeah. Does it? Do you have any injuries? Um, do you think Eddie? What should Eddie do? What do you think he will do going into Melbourne? Well, I suppose the big the big question is that that, that ten twelve position because mm. rightly Eddie Jones recognised. I mean, how how often do you see an international player pulled off after thirty minutes? Mm. Um, not it, not often. It just doesn't. It just does not happen. And you occasionally, very occasionally, see it uh, front rows if they're getting completely destroyed, but. Other than that, very, very rarely. So, so the, I suppose the question is, will it be Farrell at 10 um, or Farrell at 12? Farrell w- will be in the team. Mm. So it is. I think the question is, is it Ford at 10 or is it Tio or Slade at, at 12? Uh, it's uh, kind of one of those players is going to come into that 15. I, I think he will revert to what was so successful during the Six Nations and at the end of that game, I think he'll go Ford and Farrell. I agree. I agree. And it's if if you you can go back and listen to our podcasts pre World Cup, it's what me and Phil were saying. Why we want to see this combination, but it was it wasn't tried and tested by the time the World Cup came around. So it was with the pressure of a World Cup, we didn't try it and I, we didn't roll the dice on it. And uh, uh, maybe it would have been a different World Cup had we done because I think those two can unlock the out the wider channels as we talked about. And have you got other um, any injuries at, at your side? Not that we're aware of, no. Okay. Um, no, no one went off for injuries, as far as I'm aware. No. So, I, besides that, I would leave the rest of the team unchanged. So, uh, yeah. how do you could Pocock in any way be a be a blessing? I'm trying to find the the positive <laughs> yeah. out of it. it. Change the dynamic of your back row. I don't know. Yeah, thanks for the concern. Mate. I think you're right. I think. Yeah, I think some people are calling that. I think that's been recognised. Is that we've we lacked a, a line bender? You know, your Vunapulo or, or any of that sort of ilk, and and maybe this is our chance. And I don't know which way they're going to go, Matt. I mean, the options are obviously Benny McCalman, who I feel some sort of loyalty to, mm. on the back of his World Cup performances, particularly the the Welsh Test. But um, maybe it is a Leroy Houston. Perhaps you guys are better served to answer that question for us. Leroy's form at Bath is it is it Test standard? Do you well? Firstly, when he gets the ball or when his name's called out uh, on on the team sheet, does the whole crowd shout Leroy? Because if they don't, <laughs> that's what they did at Bath. Then you need to get you need to get on it. Okay, we will get on it. What, test standard. Would he get in the Would he get in the England squad, Leroy Houston? I don't think he would. No, probably. Billy, no, no, he won't well, get ahead of Billy. Um, 
potentially in the wider squad, but uh, maybe prob- he might be on the cusp. He, he is. I, I do think that um, Australia almost lacked, particularly um, yeah. around the middle of the game, they lacked a big ball carrier, or they lacked having multiple options. Scott Steele carried pretty well. Mm. Um, Hallwell carried quite well when he came on. Rory Arnold carried quite well at times. But I, I think they, they did lack that. So whether bringing him in gives a slightly different option. I was going to say the other one uh, who I would probably expect to start, who could show up the scrum and give a bit of a ball carrying option is Kepu. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think we might see James Slipper as well at, at Loosehead, who uh, both are probably stronger scrummers, I think, or particularly given CO's last test. But uh, both Kepu and, and Slipper are much better ball runners. Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking for big boppers, the, the two that Checker would then normally go to would either be Cliffy Palu. Um, and, mm. you know, geez, you know, maybe you could get a half a footy out of him, maybe. And I don't know if, I don't know if he could with that, with that test pace. Um, then the other one is Will Skelton. Um, and like, you know, they, yes. they both raise big questions over here. Um, are, you know, are they up to it? Are they up to that sort of international quality? But they're pretty much the only big bopper sort of ball runners we've got around the place. Um, you know, Benny McCalman's really a six and he's busy. Um, mm. But he, he, you know, he finds it hard to make those yards. So, yeah, that's a really big question going ahead. Or does he, you know, try and stay with some sort of pooper combination where you'd probably reach out to Liam Gill? I'll tell you one thing I did hear is that you know that obviously George Smith signed for the Queensland Reds here, um, which got oh no yeah. way, no way. <laughs> I had heard that. <laughs> so there you go. He's he's available. Um, so. Well, that that'd be weird. That's like uh, that'd be definitely a foot in both camps because he'd he'd be warming up himself, then he'd be nipping across the English side to give some tips to Haskell to help coach. <laughs> Indeed, but um, yeah. How long is it going to take? How long is it going to take to revoke Eddie Jones and Glen Ella's citizenship uh, uh, over there? Yeah, it's in progress, mate. I've got the petition fired up. <laughs> it's, it's it's going. So, um, yeah, so that's oh, going to next week. But, yeah, there's plenty of work to do. I mean, all the set piece. Then you've got players out. I mean, yeah, there's a whole... Who, what's, the, what's the full rundown on our injury list there, Reg? What, oh, mate, it's, it's, it's not official. Pocock's definitely out. Yeah. But you'd have to think Horn... Um, uh, or by what I heard, uh, Simmons was uh, barely mobile post-game. So you'd have to think he's a big chance of being out. But Horn failed a concussion test. So there's another one. Um, and that's really interesting selections there. Perhaps you're looking for a big bopper. We might end up with a big bopper on the wing in, in big uh, Tekeli and Nayaravoro. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'll yeah. tell you what, guys. You, you shouldn't get... I, I don't think you should get too down. It was... All, I mean, yeah, it finished an 11-point win, but really it was a four-point win with that last-minute try. Disallowed try, question mark. Uh, a, a kicker who had just a bit of a bad day at the office kicking some strange decisions about when to go for posts maybe and take points that were on offer. And, and, and you're talking about all these problem areas, the scrum, the line out, the defense, the, the mall defense. And um, actually, you know what? It, this is, this was Australia's first game in quite a while, right? Mm. Yeah, Since the World Cup final. Yeah. yeah. That, that I think is a very important point. Um, Australia's first game since October, November, England um, in the last four months, They've had kind of two and a half, three months together because of the Six Nations. And seven games under yeah. Eddie Jones. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think that is a very important point. The mm. time to, to kind of uh, bond as a team and get used to training and playing together. 
Righto. Well, look, let's hope. I mean, just so that um, I've got to say, I've got tickets to the Sydney test, so <laughs> I'm definitely hoping Melbourne comes good. Um, so, so you guys, so can I take that as a tip? You guys are tipping Australia for this second test? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what? I'm delighted to say that, that my, my prediction of 2-1 to Australia uh, is, is looking uh, is looking weak at the moment. I, I I think it's going to be tight, and I think Australia will improve. I'm worried about what what the effects of not having Pocock in because he, he is a game mm. changer. He's yeah. an absolute game changer, and I, th- I think he could be worth seven to ten points on his own just with the amount the amount the the, the speed that England are going to be able to get ball as a result of him not being on the field. Um, so I I think I think we might edge it, but I think I, I, I think it's a toss of a coin on the day. I don't know. I want to see the teams before I make that call. I'd agree with that. Um... I, I do. I've got a, almost a feeling, kind of like uh, the 2013 Lions, where Lions won the first test narrowly, then Australia won the second, and it all came down to the final final test. So I'm, I'm kind of edging like that. I think I think Australia could win could win the second test, but um, seeing the team sheet will be important. Mm. And and the two the two big changes for me would be Kepu coming in and Lili Afano to have that second ball player to. To speed up and and give give good quality front football to Kurundrani and to Falau for them to run. How about you? Are you still optimistic, boys? Well, Red, oh, yeah, I tipped England, but I I for the for for what played out, I, I didn't think we had the great preparation, and I that was my big fear and the fact that England had been together for so long, you know, played the Six Nations and all. I'm, I'm still confident. Pocock is a massive blow. I, it was interesting watching the game. I didn't pick up as how effective he was. Hooper was obviously superb, but Pocock. Watching the replay, he you know a couple of really critical turnovers, and he was really strong. So that's a big loss, and it'll be fascinating to see how they fill that gap. But as Hugh's article picked up today, it's not all doom and gloom, and and for the exact points you guys just said, it's it wasn't too far in at the end, and and we've got a fair bit of improvement to do. So I reckon Chica can get that out of them in a week. I'd always say I think your uh, the other humble pie is going to be eaten by your Fox Sports. Guys, for that <laughs> advert that they made. Uh, yeah, you, don't, you haven't met those guys, have you? So I don't think there's going to be a lot of hundred <laughs> uh, going down. Um, yeah, look, the one thing I was going to throw in is an interesting tidbit, which is a bit concerning from my perspective, is just that on the morning of the announcement of the Australian team, when was it Thursday, they still didn't know who was playing 12. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, that was still up in the air. And actually, it was. Um, we've got that through other information, but um, uh, you know, Karevi said himself that he was more surprised than anyone else in the whole room that he was going to be playing twelve. And when you think, you know, you'd, you'd hope that you'd have an understanding, you know, with the ten that you're going to be playing with. So, I mean, if you're the guy who's most stunned in the room that you're actually going to be pulling on the jersey, that's a bit of a worry, I would think. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's it was interesting. I don't think this prep. Um, was quite as solid for the Australian team as maybe we'd like to think. So anyway, look, hopefully we can. I, I'm just hoping we can pull this one off so it keeps it live for Sydney, and, and we'll have a great. Otherwise, JB, who I can, I can just sense is his 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 smile is getting wider in the corner of that room as he's predicting well- three nil. No, but he's he's three nil okay. bloody prediction, which I laughed off. Yeah, but but that's that, that's that's like Sophie's choice. It's, he hates England winning. But yeah. he's predicted England win 3 0, so he'll be happy and devastated at the same time. <laughs> Just before you go, I've got a quick question. Yes, mate. I couldn't go a podcast without chipping in. Come on. Sorry, I need to ask this. Hypothetically, right? If the nice Aboriginal lady said you don't have permission to play, what's the protocol? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
we literally all have to shut the match. That's it. We have to move to the local park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been jumpers for goalposts. And, um, no, yeah. actually, would it, we would have dragged Gary Eller out of the English coaching box and got him to overrule <laughs> yeah. as a closest Aboriginal. Oh, well, you know... We're obviously delighted, but like I say, I don't think you should feel as down as maybe some Aussies will. And uh, on we go, on we go to Melbourne. And um, Matt and Reg, been a pleasure. Speak again. Oh, we got a date for next week as well. Same again. Same time, same place. As you were. All right, boys, we'll speak to you next time. Yeah, right there, right there.